Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We've got Dan Helly from Fox, uh, from the Helipod. Uh, he's one of the play-by-play -play voices of the UFC. He was the play-by-play -play voice and is of the Titans in the preseason with Charles Davis. Uh, Dan joins us in about 10 minutes or so. Looking forward to that conversation. We kick off the, the hour, though, today on the eve of Tennessee football season. The Vols opening the season tomorrow night at Neyland Stadium against Bowling Green, where Bowling Green will be paid $1.5 million to show up and effectively lose. They're getting paid to be a win for the Vols. Now, we know nothing's guaranteed. It's money well spent. <laughs> especially with the Tennessee Volunteers over the years. Um, we don't have to go down that road. It's known. But they're paying a million and a half to Bowling Green, which would be the highest payout of any opponent that they'll face on their non-conference schedule this season. Thank God they're not paying Pittsburgh a million and a half um, to show up and lose. And this is a, a, a feel-it-out performance-type game for, for everything that's gone on this offseason with Tennessee, the new quarterback, a lot of change. I know less about the makeup of this roster. I can look at a depth chart, but it's not like I can picture that player in my head, right? I know less about this Tennessee roster than I, than I have in previous years, maybe combined because of the lack of access uh, because the, the, the media doesn't have a whole lot of time to go shoot these players, right, for, for camera purposes, for TV purposes. There wasn't a lot learned about the spring game. Joe Milton wasn't even here. Um, so what are, you, what are you intrigued about other than just learning what these players can and can't do against Bowling Green? It's going to be a lot of running, right? Yeah, I'm intrigued to see this, Hutton. First, I would like to see an AD implement a contract with one of these teams where they make $1.5 million if they lose. If they come in and win, you cut it in half. I'd love to see someone execute that contract. I really wish that Georgia State got half of whatever Tennessee paid them to come into Neyland and beat them to open the season. I think that would be an interesting dynamic at play with the AD almost rooting for his team to go ahead and lose like they're supposed to just to help the bottom line with his athletic department and then taking less money for the win. But either way... This has got to be – this is a glorified practice uh, for Tennessee in this game. And I'm not saying that like you go in there the way Jeremy Pruitt went into the Georgia right. State game where right. you're running three plays, you're running a base defense, you're doing nothing. Uh, Tennessee did not prepare for Georgia State. They were lined up with everyone on one side of the field at one point. They had three down linemen all on the left side of the offensive line with no one on the other side. They were confused. They didn't know what was going on. I'm not saying you go into it like that. You go in prepared to play a football game. But this is a game where you work through some things and you work some things out. And you do it under the comfort of knowing you can run the football effectively. Tennessee needs to run all over Bowling Green. That needs to be step number one. This offensive line is good enough to push Bowling Green around. You need to be effective running the football. Now, that's not to say you're going to go out there 
and run it every time with nine guys in the box. You're going to have to throw the ball deep. You need to run your offense. This doesn't need to be just a, um, a test game from the standpoint of we're not going to run anything. You run your offense, you take some shots, you try some things out against Bowling Green. Now, Hutton, what does this roster have? This roster is as good as Joe Milton. And that's, that's the case with a lot of teams. It's the case really with any team at quarterback. Test Joe Milton in this game. I'm not saying run him 15 times and risk him getting hurt. Air it out. But I want to see the whole gamut. I want to see Joe Milton throw a five-yard stop. I want to see him throw a, a quick slant. I want to see him throw crossers. I want to see him throw the ball deep a number of times. I want to see him take off when his first two options aren't open and run for a big gain. I want to see it all. Defensively for Tennessee, what do you want against Bowling Green? I saw Brent Hubbs write, no one really knows what, um, what Tim Banks wants to do from a defensive standpoint, what Tennessee is defensively. You know what I want to see against Bowling Green? Something I haven't seen enough of in Tennessee on defense in recent years. Turn them over. Score a touchdown or two on defense. That's what I want to see. Take chances. You're better than this team. You have the ability to take some chances. Deflect the ball. Get a, get a pick that way. Call some fumbles. Try to score on defense. That's what I want to see defensively from Tennessee. Look, this is a game. They're 35 and a half point favorites now. It opened at 27. It's gone up eight and a half points. You got to win this game. You should win this game, barring epic collapse and disaster. But you go through it. You, you treat Bowling Green with respect, but you need to figure some things out in this game also. And the coaches know that. The coaches know that this is a game where you figure a lot of things out. Well, I know we all want to see a lot of Joe Milton, but realistically, how much Joe Milton do we want to see against Bowling Green? Like if they, if they open this scoreboard up a bit and separate the score, we're, we're going to see Harrison Bailey, right? Eventually we get to the third string option. We're going to see Hooker in this game too. Like we shouldn't just see Joe Milton. If Joe Milton's playing in the fourth quarter, there are big issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I should say, you know, the big proving ground for Milton is going to be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And yeah. Pat Narduzzi's defense. Um, but you want to you see them the, build the lead with Milton. Yeah, I would say, look, game. ideally, you know, if I, if I said, what's the script for Tennessee in this game? It's that Joe Milton's not taking any snaps after midway through the third quarter at the absolute latest. That they're up 28 points at halftime or around that. Then they come out and score early in the second half. And then you got Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey the rest of the way running out the clock, basically. Um, but I think you can show a lot in that time with Joe Milton. And that, that's what I want to see. It's, it's not a true test yet. It's a real game in front of a real crowd, which is different, especially given last year with no real crowds anywhere Tennessee went. But I want to see, when I say I want to see everything Joe Milton has, I don't want to see him just throw a couple of routes. I want to see what he can do in intermediate passes, short passing game, screen game. I want to see him run it a couple times. And certainly Tennessee needs to, th to throw the deep ball. Let's see what Jalen Hyatt has. That's a guy who even a year ago in Jim Chaney's offense showed that he could beat the defense deep at times. Let let's see him on some go routes. I, I think more than anything, Hutton, you want Tennessee to go out and have some fun for the first time in a while, which they had none of last year. And we want to see you pre- and post-game. If you're going to the game in Knoxville, if you're in Knoxville, OutKick and OutKick 360 will be there with Fox. It is the pre- and post-party at Uptown Bar and Grill. We're looking forward to this. There's going to be live music, merchandise. There's a VIP area for OutKick and OutKick 360. 
Also, uh, special guest appearances. You mentioned yesterday Kane is going to be on the show. WWE's Kane, mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs, will join us live on site, among other guests. We're going to have a, a, a good time. VFL and our attorney, Brad Lambley, <laughs> uh, will join us also. Um, so if you have any legal questions, uh, he'll be happy to take those. we got a really cool guest list both Thursday and Friday. We'll have special announcements coming up tomorrow about where we will be on Friday. And we've got some more cool guests swinging by then as well. But the important thing, tomorrow, pre-party, 3 to 6 p.m., we'll be live at Uptown Bar and Grill. After party, after the game, come right back to Uptown Bar and Grill. If you want to be a part of uh, our VIP uh, package that night at Uptown Bar and Grill, $50 plus cash donation to Waverly Football will get you a wristband. $25 plus gets you an Outkick t-shirt. Hutton, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. And there will only be one T-shirt selected by Jacob Swanson. I can't wait to see what he packed for this. For this yeah, what is his party. Knoxville theme band that he's going to – I really want an East Tennessee theme to his outfit. I, just, I mean, if he wears some of the shirts he's, he's been known to wear on a, on a weekly basis here, like, that's what I want to see him on. Like, yes. Uh, like, I, mean, I hate the environment as he walks into the, the bar in Knoxville. I really think there's only one choice that he can go with on this trip. <laughs> Horse. That's it. That's that's the shirt that he's going to wear to Knoxville. I think we all know exactly what direction Jacob yes, Swanson's. That in. is a real band that Jacob yeah. follows and is a fan of. Believe it or not, celebrates their entire catalog. He does, as he's told us before. We celebrate Dan Helly's catalog and the Helly Pod. He's with Fox, formerly of NFL Network. He's the voice of the Titans preseason for the television coverage. Dan Helly joins us next on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK will check in from the Titans uh, facility in about 15 to 20 minutes as Mike Vrabel and John Robinson wrap up their media availability going over the 53-man roster, at least as it stands right now. We'll get the latest on injured reserve and much more. That's coming up with PK. Right now, though, the man who called the preseason games for the Tennessee Titans, Dan Helley joins us. I don't know if, are you in Vegas, LA? Where did you fly from this morning? I know you were in Vegas last night. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, back home in California now. Um, had a, uh, a little nice first episode of the Contender Series from the UFC Apex in Vegas and, and flew home this morning and uh, getting ready for a fun Labor Day weekend before uh, things really start picking up again. Oh, so let, I'm, you know I'm a, I'm a UFC fan. I'm jealous of the gig that you have extremely. Um, last night, I haven't watched the Contender Series from last night, but I, I do know about the Apex. Compare the Apex. You've been in several college and mm -hmm. NFL facilities. Compare the UFC Apex to those, those facilities. How, how legit, how awesome is what Dana White and the UFC has built there? Oh, it's great. I mean, because it's not just um, a facility where they can hold fights. They've turned it into a broadcasting facility. They have five or six different control rooms. Uh, they still have so much empty space in that place. Fighters like it. I don't know if they love it in terms of the octagon, because as you guys know, the octagon is 25 feet instead mm -hmm. of 30 feet. So there are guys who have said, uh, I'm only going to fight in the big pay-per-views, and I would rather fight on a prelim card than a main card as long as I don't have to fight in that octagon. Other guys could care less, and there are also some guys who actually enjoy being in front of just a handful of fans or 
you know, 20, 30 people as opposed to a big arena where they're going to be the heel. So it's really yep. interesting the different takes that people have on it. In terms of the facility itself, it, it is pretty amazing from a broadcasting standpoint. They have two or three different areas uh, where the guys can train. They have a couple of different octagons that they can go in. Um, and then an incredible amount of locker rooms and space that uh, that they use pre-fight and post-fight. So, and Chad, um, yeah. Chad, they've, they've, done- Chad, they've even built a hotel or they, they have a hotel adjacent to this complex where the fighters can stay fight week. It's, it's crazy what they've done there. I can't wait to go out there. We're, we're taking the show out there one of these days, Dan. We'll join you out there for one of these big fights. Well, you remember back uh, in the sold. day, guys, when when all the big boxing matches used to have the radio shows come out. I don't know if they still do that, right? But like bring the it old back. like morning zoo show and <laughs> you know in, in Tuscaloosa would go to Vegas for the big uh, Floyd Mayweather fight and they would fly him out there and they would do their shows there all morning. I don't know if they still do that, but yeah, they do need to get back on that train. If they don't, they're about to because we're about to do it. We're we're bringing that back. We uh, need a fight radio row. Yes, that happens do. at all the big fights. Yes, I, I'm we do. totally Amen. in. Dan, give us your thoughts on the Tennessee Titans after three games of the preseason where you and Charles Davis, you always crush it. You did it again this preseason. was awesome. Um, your, your thoughts on this team compared to years past as you've seen them go into the season. What's been the mood of Rabel and Robinson and, and the players you talked with? I think they're confident, and, and why wouldn't you be after the last couple of years? You get to an AFC championship game. You win the division for the first time in a decade or so. Um, listen, they've completely remade this defense. We talked about it, Charles and I did, the entire preseason, how poorly they performed last year on third down against the pass in the red zone. We're talking bottom two, three teams in the league and then dead last when it came to third down conversion percentage for their opponents. So they're going to have six new starters. They're going to have three out of four new starters in the secondary. We didn't get to see these guys together as a whole entire unit the entire preseason, whether it was on offense or on defense. Um, I love what they're doing defensively. I think this defensive front is going to be strong. I am hoping and assuming that Bud Dupree will be fully healthy uh, season one when they open up against the Cardinals. And I think that they're going to be able to get the quarterback and be more effective applying pressure than they were last year. I think on the back end, uh, they're going to cause more disruption than they did last year and just be able to cover guys better. I mean, they allowed the, the, what, the second most passing touchdowns in the league last year, the Titans defense. Um, I love what Jack Rabbit Jenkins brings to this secondary in terms of the leadership. I love these young guys. I think eventually by midseason, you're going to see Caleb Farley uh, working into a starting role. His ceiling is incredibly high. And let's not forget, this guy was a high school quarterback who was a wide receiver at Virginia Tech. And I know Mike Keith talked about this a lot on the radio calls. He really has about a year and a half of playing the cornerback position under his belt. Uh, And you see the flashes out there. You also see him trying to think and trying to figure out where he's supposed to be. And you guys know better than anybody, once you get to the point where you're not thinking out there, you're much more effective. So I'm excited about the defense and the offense is we, we know what that has the potential to be, right? We just, we can't have Derrick Henry hitting the wall like everybody thinks he will. On a national level, I can't tell you how many of these fantasy shows that I've done, how many of these radio shows I've done and these podcasts where people say, well, the the magic 370 carry number, back-to-back seasons, there's no way that Derrick Henry can do this again. (laughs) Well, I don't think we've ever seen anybody like Derrick Henry before. I, I have 
I have no doubt that if he remains healthy, he has a very, very good season. I'm not saying he's going to go for 2,000 yards again, but they need him for this offense to work effectively. And uh, I think they've done everything right in the preseason in terms of not playing him, in terms of t- lightening the load during practice. He works to the side in the sand pit. Um, I-, I like what they've done, man. And I was just in Vegas and I, I did not make it into a casino to put a bet on the uh, over nine win total for them this year, but I'm going to do it before the season starts because I think that's a lot. Brilliant man. Uh, another brilliant man is Charles Davis, uh, your broadcast partner. We know Charles, Dan, and he's, he's a great guy uh, to work with, obviously, to know. And I'm sure you have a lot of fun with him on the broadcast. I am curious because I got to watch your broadcast where John Robinson joined the booth with you guys. Uh, I know that's got to probably be a fun change of pace for the two of you during a broadcast. What, what, what was that like for you? And do you enjoy that change up when you get the GM in the booth with you guys calling a game? I, I think this is the third or fourth year in a row that we've had John come up there and join us in, in the third quarter. And he's kind enough to give us, uh, he probably hangs out with us for a good 10 minutes of game time, you know, so almost a half hour up there in the booth. Uh, I love it. Uh, but he has gotten more savvy by that. I mean that he doesn't always answer the question when we ask it. I can ask him anything. There's no list of questions that we have to submit. He's He is game for any question. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's gotten a lot, uh, a lot wiser in the way that he answers or <laughs> doesn't answer these at times, right, as, as all these successful general managers and head coaches do. But I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the preseason. He's a great story. You know, Union City native and, you know, going into his fifth season here. And, and the Titans have experienced a, a solid amount of success with John Robinson at the helm. And, you know, I hope this duo can stay together for a long time. Yeah, I love chatting with both those guys. We're going to hit a number of headlines with you across the league and get your take on some college football as well and what you're up to next week uh, for <laughs> FS1. Uh, but sticking on the Titans, if we're listing the biggest storylines of the preseason games, and look, we've we've discussed at length not seeing the starting offense, not seeing Julio Jones at practice, no Ryan Tannehill, the COVID issues of the last week and a half. All that aside, with the players on the field, is Elijah Molden number one? Are we are we listing that correctly? He's got to be within the top three with how he came on the final two weeks. How great was he in his first ever professional game? It was unbelievable. I mean, he had eight tackles. He had a couple of pass breakups. I mean, he was awesome all over the place. Yeah. I mean, between Molden and Farley, the two of them, listen, neither, neither one is, is, is slated to start at, at this very moment. Um, but I think you have your, your nickel guy and your starting corner opposite of Jackrabbit there, you know, like I said, by, by mid season. So um, Molden was fantastic. I thought Makai Sargent, was yep. great as well. The only thing about running backs in the preseason is you see a lot of these young guys, you know, just get a boatload of carries and it doesn't always translate into the regular season because they're just not getting that kind of volume. You know, the Washington football team uh, had another kid, uh, Patterson, uh, who kind of came out of nowhere too, out of the University of Buffalo, a local kid there in Washington who they actually think might be able to contribute. You know, he made the 53 man roster. Um, so I, I, I wish that we would have gotten to see a little more, maybe one time with this offense all out there together. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen with with Tannehill and the and the COVID protocol, and they didn't want to risk anything with Julio and, and AJ. Um, I just I, I look at uh, some of the really good teams out there, whether it was Tampa or whether it was Kansas City, 
and they had the opportunity to get that first unit out there for at least a couple of series, right? Whether it was a game or whether it was two games. So I'm sure that they would have preferred to have been able to do that. Um, does it mean that they're going to start a little bit slower in the regular season? Does it take a, t a game or two for them to get into a groove or does it take a series or two? That's the big question right now. Look, I, I'm trying not to sound like a homer here, and we do. I think we do a decent job, Chad. And, and when Paul's here as well, he would echo this of just we, saying it like it is. We never get accused of being homers. Well, right, right, <laughs> not the show. I, I, I realize though we're in Nashville talking to the guy who called the preseason games. But you mentioned the over under is nine wins for this team in Vegas. This is not a good division. This is uh, we don't know when Carson Wentz is is going to actually be the starter in in Indy, given the injury history right now with him. Um, nine wins with a and with an extra game added. What am I missing about this team and this makeup, Dan? Where the rest of the country and the odds makers are saying, you know what, they're going to have two less wins than they did last year with a 17th game added. So there's two things here, and I actually talked to uh, Yanni the Greek Corrales, who's a big uh, gambling guy. Out in <laughs> okay, Vegas here we go. Here we go. Okay. Two things I didn't even think about. Well, the the obvious one is Derrick Henry. Right. The offense, the success is predicated on Derrick Henry being healthy and gaining a lot of yards. And there are a good number of the experts and analysts out there who do not think that he can do that for a third straight year with that type of volume. OK, that's one. Mm -hmm. The other thing when you talk about the season win totals that we have to take into account is COVID. What happens if Derrick Henry gets COVID? What happens if Jack Rabbit Jenkins gets COVID? What happens if uh, Tannehill gets COVID again? Right. So you're done like that. So let's yep. just chalk that up to a loss. There's all these unknowns. What happens if the team you're playing doesn't have enough players to field uh, a team for the game? Well, then, bam, that's one less win opportunity that you have because there's no makeup games. So. I, some of the season totals for certain teams, I think, are less because of that. Um, there, there's certainly uh, uncertainty there, which I didn't, I didn't think about. So Yanni was was quick to remind me of that. But uh, I think it's mainly the Derrick Henry and, and and the health of Henry and him being able to duplicate what he's done the last two years. Dan, you are a Tennessee grad. I am a Tennessee grad. We are taking our show to Knoxville tomorrow for back-to-back -back days. We'll be in Neyland Stadium tomorrow night for their game against Bowling Green, which hopefully won't be a very difficult matchup for Josh Heupel in game number one. But I really get the sense with this fan base that it's been beaten down to the point where they're almost numb. And for the first time, there's not a complete buy-in from the fans on anything. Tennessee fans for the first time are maybe taking more of a wait-and-see approach with Josh Heupel as head coach. Are you buying that? That's where I am. That's 100% where I am right now. I hope Joe Milton is fantastic. I hope Hypel can turn everything around. But I've gotten excited before, and I'm not going to do it again. I'm just not going to invest that type of emotional energy into Tennessee until they return my love. Okay? I'm going to need to see it first. So, yeah, I'm hoping Bowling Greens is an easy win. I'm hoping that we can actually win a game that we're not supposed to for a change. Um, I, I actually have a bet with a good Tennessee buddy about six wins or more, and, and I'm taking the under with Tennessee this year. It pains me to say that, but I'm just not, I'm just not buying in yet. I, I, I had a bunch of Tennessee friends in Nashville and Memphis who were 
you know, who were buying into Butch and they were all about it. And I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know why. I don't know if it was the khakis and the loafers that I was just envisioning him going in and trying to recruit these kids. And I know he did a decent job recruiting, but I'm just, yeah, it's chat. It's a wait and see for me, man. I, I wish I could be more, more positive, but listen, I, I was there. I, I don't know if we were there at the same time. I'm assuming I'm older than you, but I was there when Peyton was there. I missed the national championship by a year. I graduated in 97. Um, it, I mean, it, where, what have we been? It's been 20 years. You know, I'm from Washington, D.C. So, so I grew up in the heyday of the Redskins. And again, it's been 20 years since they were any good. And it's been a long, painful ride, my friend. Dan Helley of Fox and uh, UFC play-by-play with us. He nailed it, by the way. He, he did. He no. really encapsulated the emotion and the feelings of, of the Tennessee fan. And it's funny, he, he said he was there with Peyton. I was there, Dan, from 2000 to 2004. I remember being angry when I'd go to a game at Neyland and we wouldn't beat South Carolina by four touchdowns. We'd only beat them by three. <laughs> and now I look right. back at that and think, how foolish was I? that I just took everything for granted, and that was really what I was upset about at the time. I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans feel the same way if they were rooting the Vols on in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. Well, you know what's painful to see now, guys, is I'm out here in California, and Alabama, because of the success that they have had on the football field, recruits regular students. They show up at college fairs, and every year from my little town here, Manhattan Beach, which is in Los Angeles, there's two, three kids from the local high school that go to Alabama. Why are you going to Alabama? They go on to Alabama because they see him on TV all the time, and it looks like fun. And, you know, back in the day, Tennessee used to be fun. And it's going to be fun again. We're not there yet, but it's going to be fun again. Uh, it's going to be fun for you this fall. You're, you've got some play-by-play duties across uh, college football. You've got Wisconsin and Eastern Michigan a week from Saturday on FS1. How far in advance do you know your schedule, and how excited are you to do this on a weekly basis? It's fun, man. I've done some college football for Fox and FS1 before. Um, usually get a couple of NFL games, too. I'm hoping to get a couple of those this year. Um, I, I, know, I know the first game. I don't know the second game yet. Um, the second game that I have for Fox is going to be on the 25th, so I'll probably learn that about a week out. I'll dive into uh, Wisconsin and Eastern Michigan prep uh, probably on Monday or Tuesday. Um, but it's great. Do a, uh, a fantasy football show on DirecTV with one of my former uh, co-hosts uh, from NFL Network, Lindsey Rhodes. It's a seven-hour red zone for fantasy where we bounce around from game to game. And, you know, unlike my buddy Scott Hansen and Andrew Siciliano, I'm allowed to take a bathroom break because we have other <laughs> hosts on the show. So that's kind of nice. Um, but it's great. It's seven hours of just watching football and literally chopping it up with your buddies and, you know, talking about who's winning and losing in fantasy. We give a... Uh, uh, a belt at the end of every show for whoever wins the daily fantasy contest and it's um it's a lot of fun is that the channel forgive me for not knowing is that the channel ahead or or after red zone i'm assuming they're back to back on direct tv's programming it's channel 704 for okay. the uh for the fantasy zone channel so you know everybody what this is interesting because a lot of people don't know this but there are two red zone channels right there's the direct tv red zone channel with andrew siciliano and then there's the cable red zone channel with scott hansen that the nfl runs so direct tv and fox started the original red zone channel with siciliano probably 15 16 years ago and then about seven or eight years ago the nfl looked at it and said man that's a hell of an idea why don't we just steal it 
And they did. And they took it to cable. And now they're in five times as many homes. It's the same product. Um, but it's, listen, there's a lot of people that just watch the Red Zone channel, right? It drives my son crazy. He's like, Dad, I don't, it's too fast for me. I just want to watch one game. But I can't tell you how many people I know that that's what they watch on Sunday, the Red Zone channel, all day. Dude, so I if think, you do that, flip over I, to the Fantasy Channel for a minute. Kind of yeah, the same thing. Absolutely. I, I think the hardest ticket in sports to sell is the upper deck in the NFL. And it's because of channels like you're describing, where you can stay at home and watch these games and it is entertaining. You've got hosts like yourself who keep it moving and keep it entertaining. You're going to see the biggest plays and the biggest moments of every game. Um, upper deck tickets are hard to go by and hard to push right now across the league because of their programming and how much the league is making off of this. Well, it's funny you said that. So I have a, a friend who has asked me to help him procure some tickets <laughs> for the first Raiders game. Okay, and okay. I'm running into some some roadblocks here. They're a little tougher than I anticipated with all my uh, friends at the NFL. They don't have the normal uh, the normal allotment because it's the first ever game in Allegiant Stadium, right, in Vegas. It's a big ticket. They're playing the Ravens. And I, I went on just to see what, like, the get-in ticket was because a while ago it was 1000 bucks just to get into that game, right? Wow. Upper-level tickets – have dropped down, but still four or five hundred dollars to get into the first the first Raiders game. Are the if Raiders no- are the Raiders fans the ones that are buying those tickets, or is this a you know a melting pot of NFL fans that are just in Vegas? Great question, Jonathan. I I, I think it's everybody. Um, everybody that's in Vegas that's a Raiders fan wants to be there. But it's such a quick trip from Los Angeles, and there's so many Raiders fans here from back in the day. My friend's coming out from Maryland uh, because he's a Ravens fan, and he thought it would be, be cool to be there for the first game. So from all over. And I think it's going to be that way throughout, which is why Vegas is such a great spot to put an NFL team. So uh, I think that's going to be a tough ticket, you know, as long as they're just not absolutely putrid, which I don't expect them to be. I think they'll be average. Hey, on the way out, tell us about the Helipod and, and where, you hope, where you hope this podcast is, let's say, two years down the road. How big can this get for you? Well, it's, that's a great question because when it started, it was just me interviewing people and we would sit down and it was kind of their origin story. I like to really focus on the rookie year and I was lucky enough to get some great guests. We sat down with Sean McVay in his backyard. I did a little tour where I went to Florida and sat down with Warren Sapp and Brady Quinn, who I've called some games with. This was all during COVID. So I just mm-hmm. took this little trip and then actually stopped by and got Mike Vrabel to come on the podcast as well. And then when football season rolled around, I said, you know, I want it to be a little more timely and driven by the this news of the day and let's pick some games. And so then Maurice Jones-Drew joined me for the season, um, got some great sponsorships and a lot of great feedback. And um, I, I love it. We just kicked it off again. I did a, a fantasy uh, podcast with all my friends from my direct TV show. MJD is going to join me next week. We're going to drop a new episode uh, every week previewing games and we'll have a guest uh, last week we had some we had joe mixon uh, we had stefan diggs we had mercedes lewis so we had pretty good guests every week um two years I, that's guys do you know what you're doing next week let alone two years <laughs> no but, my uh, god but that's where that's where we're all headed right it's all going to be some mix of video and audio and everything hey, and and with look, your connections you right now i yeah. know i know but with your connections out in la like let's go Let, let's team up and do something with the helipod I would love to do it, man. Hey, I love what you guys are doing with OutKick. Uh, 
met Clay a long time ago when he was here at a little local bar in Manhattan Beach and enjoyed talking to him about Tennessee football and Nashville. And um, you guys got something good going there. So uh, I, I enjoy every time you put the little link on Twitter. I'm hitting on that button. I'm one of the live viewers, guys. Well, thank you. Hey, we'll you see Clay man. tomorrow, so we'll, we'll tell him you said well, actually, hello. Actually, we, we just saw him over your shoulder. We cannot escape him. You've got Fox on behind <laughs> yeah, you. I see a show on. We had yeah, Fox people, Bets Live on in the, in the background there. People online are pointing that out, that Clay is always hovering around us. <laughs> the, the yes. specter I, of Clay I, I is always there. Did not realize. Just you can tell Clay that uh, I, I used to watch that show for Rachel, and, and now I watch it for – I'm forgetting who the other Al, is. Alex Curry. Alex, yes. She, she yep. also lives in – Manhattan Beach. A lot of sportscasters here, guys. A lot of sportscasters. Uh, how disappointed are you that Paul's not on the show for your appearance today, Dan? You know, he's such a curmudgeon, but we had a great chat on the sidelines, the workouts in Tampa. <laughs> I always enjoy visiting with PK. Um, provides a lot of insight and knowledge. And I, I like talking to him, right? Because yeah. even though we call the Titans games, Charles and I, we're not embedded with them like those guys are. We're not there every day. So I'm constantly, sure. uh, whether it's TD or PK picking their brains, Jim Wyatt, they're all so helpful. I can't tell you how great Mike Keith is, by the way, on an annual basis when we come yep. in. And whatever we need, whatever kind of information he can supplement us with, he always does that. So, yeah, I, I, listen, though, I think it's been a much smoother show maybe with PK <laughs> out of the picture. Sometimes three's a crowd, guys. So... Maybe just the two of you. You can just you can give them an hour off every day. Are you amazed, Dan, that Paul seemingly has not evolved at all? Uh, and every time you see him, he's exactly the same. Like we kind of marvel at the fact that like Paul never really grows as a person. He's just always exactly the same. You're in way. or you're out. Hey, but isn't that what makes him so lovable, or maybe not so lovable? It's you know consistent. You talk about. You, you talk about evolving. I'm like, dude, what happened to your podcast? I used to love listening to your podcast. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm doing OutKick now. We're not doing that. And, you know, this and that. And, you know, Charles, Charles Davis doesn't have Twitter anymore. No Twitter for Charles Davis. Really? And he might have some burner account that he, that he like, reads it on. But, yeah, he said, he said you know, I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I'm just, and so he shut down his account. I'm, I'm, I can't. I don't know whether I'm jealous or I think he's crazy because there's part of me that would love to do that at times. But I'm, you know, I'm we can't do that. Not the world we live in. I'm definitely jealous. And as you can see, Paul's doing a great job with Outkick right now. He's doing awesome work for us. So he's real busy <laughs> that he had to shut down that podcast. It's there, yeah, we're showing his uh, that is the right best now. looking shot of Paul I've seen in like two weeks. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still. It blows my mind that the voice of Madden, Charles Davis, is not on Twitter. That's, I mean, when you get to be the voice of Madden, you don't need Twitter. You don't need Twitter. Peyton yeah. Manning and Charles Davis, two VFLs that do not have Twitter. <laughs> and they're of equal standing in my eyes. Hey, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you what, when Charles started doing Madden a couple of years ago, he said, you know, that, that's when people started recognizing me. That's, that's when the under 20 set was like, <laughs> Charles Davis? Madden? I mean, it, it, everybody put it together when they would see him and hear his voice, which is crazy to think about, right? I mean, the guy's called National Championship Games. He's been on, he's on the number two NFL team at CBS. Like, he's done so many great things. I don't know if anybody has a more diverse resume than Charles Davis. That dude is special. Completely agree. And he's hitting the, the younger generation that will grow up to be NFL fans that will relate to him whenever he's, you know, 20 years from now calling a game. They're going to stick with them. It's, it's a great point. I haven't thought of it that way. 
Dan, you're the same, man. We, we appreciate you. And uh, by coming on this show, I'm sure you're reaching a much younger audience. <laughs> We're big with the kids. <laughs> Chad, Jonathan, I appreciate it, boys. Hey, keep it up. I, I love, uh, like I said, I love watching. It's my connection to Tennessee, my connection to the Titans and the Balls in Nashville. So keep it up, man. And uh, congratulations. Swing yeah. by the studio next time you're, you're here in Music City. And uh, we, we keep up the great work with the podcast as well. We enjoy it. I would love to. Thanks, boys. All Thanks, right. Dan. Appreciate Dan it. Dan Helley has been our guest, joining us from out west in California. We'll tell both uh, Clay Travis and Knoxville that Dan Helley said hello tomorrow. Yeah, that's a sweet gig where he's got – so he does some UFC play-by-play on the side. And I say on the side, they rotate several guys in. He's one of them, and it's a great gig there in Vegas. He's back in California today prepping for college football for FS1. And then once the NFL season kicks off, he's got direct TV duties. Uh, not bad, not bad for uh, the voice of the preseason for the Tennessee Titans. Good insight there from him. Uh, that will not be the last time we reach out to him. Some good feedback on Twitter. Follow us there at Outkick360. PK checks in with us as we wrap up the show. In a matter of minutes, we'll get the very latest on what John Robinson had to say about the 53-man roster and where we're headed as they go into week one against the Arizona Cardinals. That's all straight ahead on Outkick360. Hang with us. Wrapping up a fun Outkick 360 from the 6th and Peabody Studios. PK is back. In just a moment, we're going to hear from him as uh, he just heard from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. Did you hear both? Yes. Oh, okay, we heard from both. We'll get the latest on the Titans roster. First, though, details on the Outkick tailgate bus tour that begins tomorrow in Knoxville. Outkick 360 will be live in Knoxville tomorrow and on Friday as the bus then heads to Charlotte for Clemson and Georgia kicking off this Saturday night. But Tennessee kicks off tomorrow against Bowling Green. Chad, we can't wait to get there. Yeah, we're going to make it real easy on you, and we're going to show you right now how you can participate pre- and post-game with us tomorrow. If you were in Knoxville, pre-game, we'll be doing the Outkick 360 live from Uptown Bar and Grill. It's right on the Strip on Cumberland Avenue, middle of the Strip in Knoxville. And then post-game, we're having an after-party, $50-plus cash donation to Waverly Football and their flood relief efforts. We'll get you a wristband and VIP access. $25-plus cash donation will get you an Outkick T-shirt, come say hello tomorrow. Special guest swinging by. Looking forward to starting this college football tour off on the right foot. Paul, you are back from the Titans practice facility. They, they moved the availability back because there was no player availability or practice today at the facility. Give us the three biggest takeaways from John Robinson and Vrabel's availability today. Three biggest takeaways. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick, according to Mike Vrabel, simply has to learn to do more without the ball, which entails not just blocking, but being uh, devoted to running a route that maybe clears somebody else out, the kind of deep routes you talked about him being good at, or yeah. even a middle route that might clear somebody out or hook into the route tree of other people. That's has to care more when he doesn't have the ball and is not getting the ball. IR reserve not having been used so far doesn't mean it's not going to be used. Expect it to be used. Guys are going to come off the COVID list and they're going to sort through that. But this doesn't mean that everybody is healthy. And John Robinson basically said that Logan Woodside won the third quarterback job by winning the third game. He said Woodside was good in the first. Barkley was good in the second. Logan was good in the third. It sounded like Logan Woodside won the job in the third game. Matt Barkley 
he announced, uh, Robinson announced during this press conference, signed to the practice squad. So they've got both of them handy, and that's big for their security. That is big. That, that, that well, is big. Because they don't have to teach the offense to a, new, yep. a newcomer that would be on the practice squad that, uh, again, you wouldn't have many reps for this time of year. The practice squad quarterback is giving you the, the team look for the opponent most of the time. Well, Woodside could be doing it. Woodside could. You don't know how it sorts yeah, out because there's not a lot of snaps for either of them. Woodside will get some snaps, and then you don't know. You how want they someone, and, and Barkley picked it up quickly. Deshaun yep. Kaiser did not. No, and Deshaun so Kaiser was bad. It's a coin flip on how quickly guys can come in and pick up an offense. Barkley did that, and it was also easier to get him to the practice squad because he's a vested vet. He doesn't have to go through waivers. Logan Woodside would have to do that. So. Woodside played well, and he did. I, I liked the passion and the energy that he brought to that third preseason game. Uh, I thought he was a good leader in the huddle. Um, not to say Barkley wasn't, but Woodside was in that third game. It also helps that Barkley can immediately sign to the practice squad. Here's my thinking, go. too. That the addition today was Corey Levin, who was with the Jets, yep. a Titans draft pick several years ago, who's floated around and floated around and not stuck. Um, I, I just think Ben Jones is going to be a while before he's back. Daniel Munyer is dinged. They need Corey Levin. They, they got to get through some practices Munyer's early next IR. week. Um, right. Munyer will either go to IR or he'll get injury settled. Once Jones is healthy and once Aaron Brewer's up to speed, Aaron Brewer probably can't go through a full practice yet. Once Jones and Brewer are both good to go, I think Corey Levin and Daniel Munyer will both be gone. Maybe Levin's a practice squad guy. But right now, I don't know if they could get through a practice without Levin. Maybe not. Yeah, you're right. Guys, look at the time. Had more to get to. We'll hit it tomorrow. Live from Knoxville, Uptown Bar and Grills, where we'll be pre and post game for Tennessee and Bowling Green. Can't wait. We'll be there Thursday and Friday. Thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson. They're about to pack up and head that way. We join them there tomorrow. We are live daily, 3 Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, right here for Outkick 360. Have a great trip, guys. I will be at the Zoom machine at the ready. And in Nashville, for me, in Knoxville, for this crew, you know what we'll be doing? We won't be blocking the box, and we will be locking the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.